What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to another edition of Real Chronicles, brought to you by CinematicReal.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with Mr. Jack Renault. Welcome back, good sir. How is theater life? Uh, you know, it's been good. Uh, not working as much anymore. School has resumed, and so still certainly busy, but not busy enough to where I'm unable to talk about Alfred Hitchcock. Mr. Hunter Friesen, how you doing? How's Viking preseason going? Hey, it's preseason, so we put no stock into it. Unless we win both games, then it's stock. But yes. right now, no stock. <laughs> and special guest joining us, a big fan of Vertigo, Miss Katie. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. This should be a very fun podcast as we are going to look at the 75th anniversary. Jack, did I get that right? 65th. 65th anniversary of one of Alfred Hitchcock's most beloved films vertigo uh it's going to be a quite the interesting breakdown as we uh i guess mostly celebrate the film and critique it in some aspects uh before we get into that let's get into some of the news of the week it's been a few weeks since we've been on so i didn't over overstuff the news section but just wanted to touch on a few things uh we lost a great uh william Friedkin over the last two weeks passed away at the age of 87 um, which makes uh, Hunter probably will have the opportunity to see his last film at TIFF in the next few weeks, which should be quite the screening. Um, I guess I'll I'll just point out, I can ask you guys, Jack, I'll start with you. What is your favorite Friedkin film? I mean, he's definitely made quite a few good ones, but it's the easy answer, but not a boring one. That's Nonetheless, it's definitely The Exorcist. Hunter, what about uh, you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jack. No, you, you you keep going. I'm sure we'll go touch back. Hunter, what about you? Well, uh, his new movie won't be a TIFF, so I won't be able to watch it there. But oh, is that a TIFF or Venice? Just Venice. Oh, I'm sorry. So, but eventually, when it comes out, I'll definitely be seeing it. I will go with the other boring answer: the French Connection, though, because I actually, I greatly love that movie. What about you, Katie? Do you have a favorite Friedkin? I think I'm going to go with the one I most recently watched, which is Sorcerer. Uh, his remake I've of heard Wages about of that. Fear. It's Mm-hmm. It's pretty fantastic, yeah. Awesome. I have that on my list. It's something I want to get to. A lot of my buddies watched it after he passed away, and they were talking about how great it is. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Jack. Pretty basic on my end. The Exorcist. It's pretty damn special. Uh, one of those movies that surprised me when I learned it actually has a screenplay Oscar, which is very cool Oscar win for a, for a movie of that type. But definitely one of the most influential directors of all time and someone that was very outspoken if you ever get a chance to watch a Friedkin interview I mm-hmm. I just love his bluntness um, and I just want to give a special shout out to Cruising very underrated uh, Friedkin <laughs> film and, 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 and ironic that uh, he hates Al Pacino fitting, I was going to say fitting I would say that we discussed this on this podcast because he's actually talked a lot about vertigo i know it was one of the movies that apparently like really influenced him so he's had a lot of like interviews and stuff where he talks about it all really interesting stuff there's a Friedkin documentary that's currently on shutter that i highly recommend you guys check out it's really solid stuff uh next bit of news to the shock of no one the emmys have moved and they will be on january 15th i guess this just 
transitions to do you think the Oscars are going to be moved, Jack? Uh, I mean, those are further down the road, so I'm sure they'll cross that bridge whenever they get to it. It's definitely going to make the general awards season more interesting because now we'll have, if like stuff does wrap up, then like we're just going to have so many like predictions to be making pre-show throughout like january february and march and this actually works scheduling wise too now because it looks like the golden globes don't have a home because a a lot of networks have rejected them so Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know what's gonna happen with that uh so yeah uh any thoughts hunter on the move uh i mean i potentially would love an award season just based on the movies themselves or shows, obviously, you know, what, what would it look like if there was no FYC events, no, this, no, that, you know, it's just the movies to an extent, obviously. Hmm. So, and obviously, and it also makes the Emmys even more confusing than they already are. Cause half the shows that are nominated were for episodes that were almost two years ago. Oh, <laughs> that's a great point. I was actually going to bring up before we went to Katie, like better call Saul would have been close to two years over by the time the Emmys yeah. Air in January. Uh, Katie, any thoughts on the move? Uh, I actually didn't know that they had moved until now, so yeah. it's news to me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it seems like the right move, but at the same time, I, I don't know if all of these. I mean, I hope it's all wrapped up by then, but crossing fingers. Can only push things back so far before you know things start to become irrelevant. Chris Tapley on Twitter hinted at something last week that we may be drawing to an end. He tweeted that festival season has been saved. That's literally all he said and hasn't tweeted about it ever since. So curious as if we're drawing an end to this, but uh festival season does move on and we have our New York film festival slate along with the slate comes the first trailer to Maestro uh, Bradley Cooper's follow up to a star is born. Uh, Jack, big Bernstein fan. What are your thoughts on the trailer? Yeah, no, I think it uh, looks quite interesting. I know there have been some early screenings that don't quite match up with what the final film is is apparently slated to be. So I really don't know exactly. I still don't kind of know what the whole movie is going to be because it was just like a teaser trailer. But I really like what they're giving and kind of the angle they're taking with the movie. Uh and I'm just also excited for Bernstein to get a kind of resurgence in the public eye, I suppose, on top of the West Side Story a couple of years. West Side Story remake a couple of years back. For sure. Uh, Hunter, I saw your thoughts in the in our group chat. You dug the trailer as well, right? I mean, you could you, you could consider that I've watched the whole movie. If you count how many times I've watched a trailer, it probably <laughs> adds up to the right time of the movie at this point. But also, I looked, I was like, this looks like the good version of Blonde in terms of the cinematography, the aspect, the, everything at Netflix of it from last year. It looked exactly the same wise. I was like, oh, and this is the one people actually like because it's not as very off-putting. Yes. Uh, Katie, what about you? Did you get a chance to see the Maestro trailer? I haven't watched the trailer, no. I've just seen um, some of the stills from it, um, and I'm very aware of the controversy mm-hmm. surrounding mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley Cooper and the uh, prosthetic nose that he's wearing, uh, which just looks really bad and just is really unnecessary. And it does kind of cast a, a pall over the project a little bit. It seems me. very mm-hmm. much that this will be... I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine after the... Our, 
Blue Beetle screening on Monday about this. The trailer had uh, the Maestro news, and um, I think this is going to be like film Twitter, film Instagram's most hated movie of the award season. I feel like it's going to get those Oscar noms, and it's going to be one of those, oh, you're going to give this movie an award over fill in the blank, if it's Oppenheimer, if it's Barbie or whatever. Uh, I could see that reputation coming to that movie. Or it could just be bombed at these screenings, at these Venice and NIF, and you know, nothing may come from it, but I, I don't think it's going to end up in that category. Um, so I did want to touch on the NIF. Uh, the fact that Poor Things is going there, that's a very, I think, a good sign for the awards the contention of of it all. We're also getting the Yorgos Lanthimos short, Bleat, which is on 35 millimeter, 30 minutes long, looks great. Um, anything that you, Hunter, anything that you saw from the NIF that interested you that's not going to TIFF? Um, obviously, yeah, Maestro's there, Poor Things, which... Based on the, that it's going to Telluride and New York, they definitely, you know, put that in quick turnaround. Once they delayed the film, they put it to those two festivals, which is great to hear. I love that. Um, what else was there at NIF? All of Us Strangers, the Andrew Hay film. The faux, the faux one with Sir Ronan and Paul Mescal. That sounded pretty cool. I'd like to see that. Yeah, same here. One? There was one more that I was like, wow. I mean the 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 centerpiece ones and whatnot that we've already or we, we haven't already, already covered I guess. No, I think we did. We think talked. Yeah, I think we did. Okay, you know something like that. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of great stuff there. It's 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 one of those things where one year maybe I'll go, but I can't. That's a whole two week long festival and they prolong it. So I'm like, they I can't do. do yeah, it's a it's it even as press it gets a little difficult to maneuver yeah. through. Uh, I did want to add. Two more movies: Hitman, the Richard Linklater film. Sorry, Glenn Powell. Very unlike Richard Linklater to do a movie like this. I, I, I was say a movie called got, The Hitman sounds kind of out of his typical. Yeah, I literally just got tickets for it twenty minutes ago, so you know, happy. Oh, you got through on to for Tiff without a problem. Yeah, for this one, and also the uh, the taste of things. The I don't even I don't want to oh, butcher. Oh, right, 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 right. The Tran An Hung film. Uh, it, I've heard nothing but great things out of Cannes, so very excited yep. for that. Uh, all right, cool. So that's pretty much all the news for the week. Let's get into some of the things that we watched this week. Um, we haven't recorded in two weeks. I joke with the guys off the line. Uh, Katie, I I run through a lot of stuff when, during, during the week. It's been a few weeks, so I've seen a lot. So I promise I won't take too much time here. Jack, what do you got? Okay, so uh done a couple rewatches of just random things uh rewatched ferris bueller's day off still classic definitely you boys will be happy to hear this i have officially gone up to four stars on asteroid city uh well done good sir well done rewatched it on blue which uh katie and i actually discussed uh a couple months back on uh gall's podcast um but yeah, no, a lot of my initial complaints kind of just went away. I don't know if it was because I just watched it in a bad headspace, but I definitely went higher up on it this time around. Not not quite like a top four, I would still say, but like, I mean, like the eighth and up is all just like incredible stuff to me. So I mean, it's it's, it's definitely a movie you need to watch twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first the first the first viewing is so jarring as to what the hell is happening. Yeah. Uh Let's see. Then I watched The Thing from Another World, the movie that oh, I gotta get John to that. Carpenter yeah. would then go on and do. 
different movies, so like it doesn't really warrant like an actual like comparison. Like I don't think it could be like, oh yeah, this was like obsolete. Like you don't need to watch this movie. So very atmospheric and just kind of a movie that I would probably put on like a blizzard it was outside like the thing. So very good. Um, and then outside of Vertigo, I also went back and did some. Hitchcock viewings. I watched The Lodger for the first time. Dave. Beautiful. Um, yes, very, very good. Uh, rewatched Rear Windows. Still an absolute masterpiece. Can you can you say your your thoughts on the Jimmy Stewart Grace Kelly relationship? Yeah, man. I I Dave and I always joke about this, but we both love Rear Windows so much. But man, it is annoying watching Jimmy Stewart just completely fumble his relationship with Grace <laughs> Kelly throughout that whole movie. It's just like, yeah, and I mean, he's a stupid man. Very yeah, stupid. Yeah. Very stupid. <laughs> uh, and then I rewatched The Birds, which not really uh, a masterpiece. So always a movie that I never really. Mm understood why it's one of like the the most known hitchcock movies like probably after psycho i would say it's his most popular and like mm -hmm. well known i would say um which like timmy hendren i thought was good and we pretty much discussed it dave like the opening's great the last like 20 minutes well, yeah 20 minutes is awesome but then the middle part is just i think once once the bird attacked a school is when it starts mm -hmm. picking up for me. Like I was showing Harley, like I sat Harley down and <laughs> seeing my seven month old smile at the birds attacking the children was quite the sight. Um, but no, I don't know, man. This is me. This, this just means she's going to be open to watch more horror. I, I need to like put society on for her like ASAP. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's good for the exorcist. Um, she's not watching the exorcist that one i'm gonna keep <laughs> away from her for a while but no yeah i I'm, I'm actually do agree with you on the birds i i'm still four stars on it i'm still a little lower a little higher than you are but i don't think it's a masterpiece i think it's quite boring for the first half to be honest uh and then i i mentioned this to dave uh recently but in the time since our previous recording I invested in a 4k tv so obviously i had to go back and run through some of the visual movies that I wanted to see just like on the nice TV. So 2001 A Space Odyssey, Mad Max Fury Road. It's not on 4K, but I just wanted to see it on the nice looking TV. The Searchers, mm. uh, just because I didn't have time for Lawrence of Arabia. So I was like, might as well go for the second best looking desert movie. Uh, and then also, of course, not one that you would think of visually, but... Dave has always told me this transfer looked incredible, so I had to give The Godfather another watch. And yeah, yeah, it looks it looks incredible. <laughs> I've all, I've usually watched it on DVD, which like go ahead scoff, Dave. But I also kind of liked the old lookingness of it, just because I don't know it kind of fit the not anymore, right? Side <laughs> of the movie, yeah. Obviously now it looks like, <laughs> it just looks gorgeous, but it also kind of oh, helps. Like I don't know like the whole movie kind of feel of a lot of the movie, especially early on. So yeah, no, but quite the investment. And I still have a lot of stuff I need to get around to. Awesome. Hunter, what about you these past two weeks? 
Oh, yeah. No, go off track. I like watching movies on VHS sometimes, even though they look like shit now. But it's like, oh, there's a little bit of a fun factor to it, to feel it. So, And The Godfather and Titanic had, like, two VHSs. It was fun as a kid, even though I had no idea what I was watching. But it was like, oh, it's fun. <laughs> uh, so there was a few retrospectives in theaters I watched. watched The Conformist, which was good, but not great. Uh, looks absolutely amazing. I didn't love the story much. Uh, King Kong, the... 1933 version i actually really liked uh, i love this movie is, is i i love long movies but i do question why peter jackson thought this needed to be three hours long. yeah, like, yeah. It, really, <laughs> it went from like 80 minutes to three hours i was like okay that's a lot because this one is tight and just like we're just gonna go right through it it's perfect it takes them like an hour to get to skull island right oh yeah and yeah in jackson's it, it, I think it's like an hour and 20 minutes until Kong actually appears, That's which is right. like the whole length of the first movie. So it's, <laughs> it's, I, I, I do like Jackson's version, but this one's better. Uh, last night was Z by Costa Gavras, which is like Oliver Stone was one of the inspirations for JFK. So it's a great political thriller. So I really like that one. And I did some best picture winners. I rewatched Ooh. the King's speech. Uh, my, We'll say my political answer is I still don't know what I would have voted for between the social network and the King speech. Real answer, I won't tell you. <laughs> uh, then I watched Crash, which was absolutely horrendous. I told. <laughs> wait, was this first? Was this first time, Hunter? First time. Oh, I had so never sorry. watched it because it, nobody likes it, and I was like, "Well, I gotta, I gotta check it off the lists," and it was awful. It was laugh out loud funny in the wrong way. So. Uh, and then I watched Cavalcade, which is just so boring. So boring. <laughs> I mean, it was a period piece on British history during the turn of the century. I'm like, you know, it's not too bad to me, it sounds like. And then it's just the most boring, uninteresting characters in the world. It's so Dave, boring. this this was my concession point. I was like, the only way I could see you remotely liking this is if Hunter goes high on it. But when he goes like two and a half stars, I think, on it, I'm like, yeah. So the, ca the Cavalcade... <laughs> It's so fast. The cavalcade of it all is the fact that it's finally out on Blu-ray, and since I own every Best Picture winner, I, the fact that I have to Ooh. own this garbage that you <laughs> both hate, I, I'm not looking forward I, to watching it. I watched it on 720p on YouTube, because I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> is there anything it's redeeming? The, uh, I mean, it's not, like, it's not terribly made. There's some interesting shot choices and like production values for the time, but I think the story is just so boring. So. Yeah. Oh man. There's one moment. Uh, it's kind of. Oh, okay. oh, there's one moment that's kind of funny, Dave. It's akin to what we were talking about in Oppenheimer. Um, where, is it the, the moment like, on the boat? The moment when you they reveal oh, they're on. Yeah. yeah it's just like. Oh, the junior senator from Massachusetts makes an appearance in Cavalcade. It's a. It's yeah, a. There's, there's a moment like that. Oh, that's great! <laughs> but it's even worse. It's so. <laughs> it's like the best punchline I've seen all year. It's like Mel Brooks level stuff in that. Oh movie. man, it's I'm so excited. Funny. I'm ex not. That actually <laughs> excites me now. It's not supposed to be good, but it's so funny. Yeah. Well, and that scene just, reminds just... me of um, you know that movie that Robert Pattinson movie Remember Me. Oh my God! Yes, and with the World Trade like Center. That. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of that. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that... It it literally is that actually. Dave. There you go. So just know they're on a boat, and yeah, it turns out the boat is something. I think I know where this is going, and if this <laughs> ends with Christopher Columbus, I'm gonna lose my shit. I okay, and the lack. Of... Okay, yeah, we'll keep you there. Even... Keep you there. You're only about 600 years off or 500 years <laughs> off. Oh, I don't know when it takes. When does it take place? 
1900. Oh, never. Early 1900s. I guess I didn't say that, but nor is it common knowledge because this movie's nothing. Uh, Well, speaking of Chris Columbus, I'm watching all the Harry Potter movies again. Oh, that hurt (laughs) me. I like the first first two. Chris Columbus is a director I cannot get into. I don't dislike him as a person or anything, but I just, his movies, I do not like a single one of his films. Wait, not not even Home Alone? No. I do not like Home Alone. <laughs> Although, remember, he did say he's going to be our Scrooge during the holiday season. So. I, I, I said that, yeah, so don't worry. So, thankfully, Prisoner of Azkaban's Toron, so Alfonso Cuaron can save me from this. Yeah. Is this your first showing... time with Cuaron, with, uh, with Cuaron's Harry yeah. Potter? No, I've seen all the Harry Potters, but the last one I had seen was Deathly Hallows in the theaters, mm, okay. which I was 12 then, so I was just like, well, shit, I haven't God, watched these so forever. Old. That's what my job is. <laughs> so I was like, I better watch these again. And and it's it's at least nice because there's so much going on in these movies that I was like, oh, I not remember this. So, but yeah. Uh, then quickly, I rewatched Nixon because I hadn't watched that. It's a great movie. Delivered. Not, it's JFK Light. It's JFK Light, but it's great. And then I don't know if I should say that you all of this talk of zone of interest going to festivals put me in a. I don't want to say a Holocaust movie because that's a bad thing to say, but I watched Son of Saul, a movie from a few years ago that I really wanted to see, and it's great. It's really it's... good. I like that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to. You know, I was just. It's always a movie I wanted to see, and everyone's uh, really focusing on one man caught in the system. It's. It's. I really liked it. So. Yeah. All right. So that was uh, it. Katie, do you have anything that you've seen recently that you'd like to highlight? Uh, yeah, well, I, I pretty much exclusively just watch like TCM and Criterion channel nowadays, but, um, I'm really into, um, pre-code movies. So that era of like 1929 to like mid 1934, I will watch literally any pre-code movie that you put in front of me. Um, they added at the start of the month on Criterion channel, a, uh, collection for, uh, Kay Francis, who is an actress who, isn't super widely known today outside of like classic Hollywood fandom, but um, I got to watch a couple of uh, her pre-code movies that I hadn't seen before and they were fine, but there's another um, collection for the director, uh, Roland Brown, that was added to Criterion as well. And I got to watch a uh, crime movie from I think 1930 or 31 called Quick Millions that has been on my radar forever. It's, uh, very hard to find. It's from, I think, 20th Century Fox. It was restored by MoMA and it played there like a couple times recently, but outside of that, really hard to to get a hold of it. Um, so to have it just streaming in this wonderful restoration was, was great. And I thought it was really just a fantastic quick. It's like 65 minutes long, stars Spencer Tracy as like the gangster. Mm, I um, see it. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful. There's like this beautifully shot um, hold up scene. Uh, it's just really, it's just like everything that I want out of a pre-code movie, to be honest. So I definitely recommend uh, checking that out if you're into that era at all. Um, and otherwise, uh, recently I've, kind of been into going to rep screenings when I can and I don't rewatch movies a ton 
Um, but last weekend, I got to uh, go see Raging Bull in Ooh, the theater. Nice. It was playing at the Alamo Draft House here, and I couldn't tell you the last time I had seen that movie. So it kind of felt oh. like watching it for the first time. Um, it was just one of those great, like, wow, I love movies moments. This is amazing. Mm. It looks beautiful on the big screen and sounds amazing. Um, so that's probably my favorite uh, viewing experience of the last like week or so. That's awesome. Did you finish watching it and you're wondering how did ordinary people win Best Picture over Raging Bull? <laughs> right, right. I know. Um, I don't know, know if you would love ordinary people, though. It's, it's kind of having a resurgence. resurgence I've yeah. seen that, yeah. I've yeah. noticed that. I've, I've not fine, watched it. So but... It's one of my blind spot yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I'm with you, Katie. Like, it's, <laughs> like if Mary Tyler Moore would have won an Oscar for this, then I would have probably felt better about it, but she didn't. And yeah. it just yeah. stands there as the movie that'd be Raging Bull. Um, mm-hmm. So I... I've been on TCM as well. I'm not going to go through everything, but with Summer Under the Stars, I've been able to catch mm-hmm. up on some stuff. Uh, some Lucille Ball, which I adore Lucille Ball. Uh, so uh, the only movie I want to touch on that I hadn't seen is I Love Lucy is my favorite show, Katie. So I've, uh, oh, okay. yeah, so I'm huge on both her and Desi. So I've seen Long, Long Trailer. I finally got to see Forever Darling uh, over the past two weeks. And it's not as good uh, as Long, Long Trailer. It's, has Lucille seeing a guardian angel played by James Mason and it, that aspect of it does not work for me at all uh, to the point that they had to bring Jesse Oppenheimer the writer and producer of I Love Lucy to do rewrites uh, to the end of the movie just to add some comedy to it it you know surprisingly underwhelming for those two uh, also Anthony big Anthony Perkins fan uh, finally saw the Orson Welles directed film The Trial which is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Uh, probably my number two favorite Orson Welles film now. Anthony Perkins is so damn good. Just wild. He went from Psycho to this. Like these two performances are pretty damn amazing. What, what are your What are your thoughts on Touch of Evil? I like it. Okay. I don't. Okay. I, don't okay. I don't. I don't overly love it like everyone else, but I. I think it's. I think it's good. Mm. I think it's very good. Uh. I saw 31 Hitchcock films. I'm not going to go through every single one of them, so don't worry <laughs> about that. Um, I did want to... What are the ones that are, like, the lesser ones? The Frenzy lesser is ones? fucking, like, I don't know, man. Frenzy <laughs> is, is weird. I don't... I don't it's probably... That's his last one, or is it Family Plot? What's, what's Family Plot's his last one, and I like it a lot. Okay. I do like okay. it a lot. Okay. But Frenzy, I don't even know what to think. It's very... Uh, it's just a weird movie. I will say Marnie surprised me a lot this rewatch. It feels like, ironically, a poor man's vertigo with a lot of aspects of it. Um, then uh, my 4 a.m. watches led me to a Charles Bronson dive. So I've been watching Death Wish 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, which I highly recommend for any Guilty Pleasure fan. It's pretty wild stuff. Saw my first my maintained. Do they maintain quality? Is one and five of equal quality? They're no, not. But the interesting thing, because I know Hunter, you'll probably never watch this. The interesting no. thing is that, like, after a while, the police knows this. So basically, he kills criminals as revenge for a crime that's done to his family. After like the second one, the cops don't care. They're just letting this guy just kill everybody, and they're like, "He's just—he's their punisher, basically." Pretty much, like, yeah. 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 So it gets pretty like—I mean, it's outrageous anyway, but it's pretty hilarious. Uh, I saw Gran Turismo. Wanted to touch on this new thing because uh, you guys know I adore Heat, and anytime they use God moving over face of the water, and Gran Turismo used it in like quite a 
a way that I enjoyed, so that was fun. Uh, saw my first two my Miyazaki films, Spirited Away and Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, really enjoyed Spirited Away. Not so much. Kiki's Delivery Service is okay. Um, so what else? What else? Uh, French Connection rewatch. Uh, I, 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 I don't get it. Unfortunately, what? I, I, I like I like the car I like the car chase. Not I can never get I can never get into it. To live and die oh, in LA okay. is so much better than the French Connection. I, I haven't I haven't seen that one. I do want to watch it. So um, let me. This one's for Jack. Okay, so um, we both like Grizzly, Jack. Oh God, we're so going on this. Whole I saw thing. I saw the sequel to Grizzly, titled <gasps> Grizzly Two Revenge. So the funny thing is, this movie was released in 2020. Okay. The movie Wait. was. Hear me out. You're gonna laugh. The movie was shot originally in 1979, uh, around that time frame. Okay. Starring and in the title, George Clooney, Charlie Sheen, and Laura Dern. <laughs> they're in one. They're in one scene at the beginning of the movie. Oh. Okay. The movie, were, the uh, movie then shoots modern stuff. So you have a drone, you have a, a hoverboard. It is like not a hoverboard, but those hover hover devices that people use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they blend in footage the from the eighties with new footage. It is one of the worst experiences I've had in a long time. Okay. And it's it's miserable as, as you hear the the cops pass by um it's fucking brutal i i hated it uh what else all right to finish up i saw uh during the video nasty era this uh horror movie from 1972 from renato palacelli called delirium uh didn't really like it too much i thought that it would be right on my alley i was a little bit underwhelmed by it um so, uh saw old boy uh and I, yeah, old boy is pretty damn great. But then I saw a movie that Hunter wanted me to see for quite a long time, uh, The Handmaiden, and damn, probably your best recommendation you've ever had for me, Hunter. That well, movie. Well, uh, unfortunately, the bar for that is real low, I guess. Yeah, that movie is pretty fucking great. I loved yeah. every aspect of it. Hopefully you watch it just by yourself and not with anybody else. Well, actually, on my letterbox review, I went um, Mount Rushmore movies not to watch on family movie night. <laughs> it's on there, yeah, definitely. Uh, but even with anybody, even friends movie night, you'd have to be some really good friends to watch this movie. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty pretty incredible. I'm pretty shocked that it got zero love at the academy. Like, but Park hasn't really gotten that much love anyway. So, uh, and and then last two things I saw rewatched Oppenheimer again. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. I. Absolutely love it. Uh, oh no, two more. Showgirls. Anyone here seen Showgirls? Uh-oh. No one. I still have not seen it in its entirety. Showgirls is very much a movie of its time. Um, the reason I I've always considered it a guilty pleasure is because I grew up on Saved by the Bell, and yeah. the Jesse Spano character, who's like the goody two shoes of the of the show, was like in this R NC seventeen movie. It completely like took like the newspapers by storm in the '90s, and yeah, it, it's it's wild. And in Star '80, Bob Fosse is my last one. Uh, mm. 
I really, really, really liked it. I I understand why during the time it was released, it got a lot of flack, uh, but I thought it was really good. Uh, now, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, all right, cool. So let's get to why we're here. It only took us 31 minutes, so a record for us here. Uh, let's get to... It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, so we get... We're going to get into Vertigo now, one of what many consider Alfred Hitchcock's best film. I consider it number three, and uh, we'll see where everyone else falls on it. Uh, Before we get into some of the production on the film, let's get into the first time we saw Vertigo. So I'll start with Jack here. Any thoughts on your first viewing of Vertigo? Well, I just remembered a little kind of history of me with this movie. So I mentioned it before, but like I was never like one to order like DVDs or Blu-rays off Amazon, I would always go to like like a Goodwill or like a half price books and try to find it there. And I searched for Vertigo for three years until I finally found it. So it was always kind of like this elusive movie for me, which is kind of funny because it ended up being that kind of way for some, given that it wasn't exactly a big Hitchcock hit. But I watched it, didn't really like it at first. Um, but I knew that like there was like something more because everybody liked it so much. So I kind of just kept going back to it over time, and then eventually it just clicked for me. Um, and now it's one of my favorite movies to rewatch just because it's a movie that like once you kind of know what happens for me at least, just a lot of the interactions and kind of meanings of a lot of scenes just kind of change and can be kind of reevaluated. Um, and it's just a pairing of my favorite actor and my favorite director at pretty much at the peak of both of their powers. So I really have a lot to love with this movie. Awesome. Hunter, what about you? Uh, I remember when I first watched this, I did this project 2018 summer where I would, every week I'd watch three movies from a different director. This is when I was like first trying to get into more movies. So it was like my appetizer sampler, basically, where I was like, Paul Thomas Anderson, Spike Lee, Hitchcock, Miyazaki, Ridley Scott, or like Oliver Stone. I did like just a bunch of movies for that. And Hitchcock, I think I did Notorious, Vertigo, and North by Northwest. I watched those three movies. So, and I this was the one I didn't like the most out of those three. And I still, it's one of those where I watched it and I was like, oh, I probably need to watch more Hitchcock to appreciate it. And now that I have, and I watched this again, I still. You might have led to. It. I still don't really like this movie all that much. I don't think it's bad at all, but I don't love it. So, Katie, what about you? <laughs> so I would have seen this when I was in middle school, probably like twelve or thirteen years old. Um, I got into Hitchcock really before I got into movies. My parents had a few of his films on DVD, and I remember uh, watching The Birds. That was the very first one I saw, and it blew my mind and that was kind of the first time I was really um, like became aware of what an auteur director was when I realized, oh, he has like more movies that are kind of in the same vein. So I started kind of going through those and um, Vertigo I would have caught probably on like TCM or another movie channel, maybe got it from Blockbuster. I don't really remember. Um, I just remember at the time being very, um, captivated by the way that the plot morphs over the course of its runtime, kind of starting out as what you think is a ghost story, mystery, and then becoming something completely different um, by the end. Uh, I didn't really look into it 
uh, beyond that really until I started actually uh, getting into film and like studying it more and then kind of pick apart the meaning and you know all the details that Hitchcock put into it but I did like it from the first time I ever saw it yeah for me um I also was about uh 13 or 14 years old uh kind of same trajectory as you Katie before I really started loving film Hitchcock was kind of the first director that i discovered so like in in 1998 99 for his 100th birthday they released a lot of his vhs's updated so one of the ones that i was able to pick up was vertigo and kind of like jack first time i liked it but i kind of didn't get it but i was you know i i guess i was like not smart enough to understand like what was going on at the time uh but this is a movie that by the second viewing and it's progressively just increased in my understanding of it and just love of it. I think it's the Katie mentioning how you think it's this ghost story and it turns into like this completely different thing, this tale of obsession. It really works for me. I think it's uh, you guys haven't mentioned it yet, but I think it's one of the best scores maybe ever. Um, and I totally understand why this movie gets the love that it does i also understand why it's not there are some folks i know hunter you're at three stars it's not you know you it's not loved by everybody and i understand that side of it too but definitely see why it's considered one of the greatest movies ever made um going into the production of the film so the screenplay of vertigo's and that adaptation of a 1954 french novel the entries le mood uh, by pierre bolio and Thomas Narsedic Hitchcock had attempted to buy the rights to the previous novel by the same authors, uh, but he failed. And it was made instead by uh, Henry Clouseau. Uh, mm-hmm. Although Francis Truffaut suggested that the entry Le, Le, Le More was specifically written for Hitchcock. Um, originally, and this is where Jack comes in with uh, some facts. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. Severa Miles was originally supposed to be playing the King Novak role, but following delays, uh, Miles became pregnant and had to withdraw from the film, which ultimately led to the casting of King Novak, which we will talk about her a little bit later. Uh, the film also starred Jim Jimmy Stewart, which would be his final movie with Hitchcock. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but also it would be the first of back-to-back collabs with Kim Novak. Uh, Bell Book and Candle is the second movie that they did together. Uh, any Bell Book and Candle fans here? No? I like it. You like it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. I've not seen, actually. Yeah, but... I think it's on TCM. I'm not 100% they sure. They aired a lot. They aired a lot. Yeah, That's I where mean, I saw it. Yeah, it's like set over Christmas, but it also has like spooky vibes. So it's kind of like a good fall to winter movie. Um, yeah, a much lighter film than Vertigo for sure. You can watch it back to back with Basket Case, Jack. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, and I do remember. I do remember around this time too, like the late 90s into the early 2000s, I think it was right before Summer Under the Stars took off, TCM used to celebrate Hitchcock's birthday the entire month. So a lot of Hitchcock I would actually see uh, on TCM prior to the Summer Under the Stars. Um, Let's get into Maestro's Corner. The score was written by Bernard Herrmann. I mean, Jack, you're the music guy here. Go cook. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm just—I I think we can start 
I, I don't think it's brought up nearly enough today, and it upsets me. But I think there's a true case that Bernard Herrmann could be the best composer in any for any movie ever. Uh, I mean, if we just want to talk about a career, starting out with Citizen Kane, and then you just and then you just cook with Hitchcock for like a decade almost, and then your last movie that you finished literally like. I'm pretty sure weeks, if not days, before your death is Taxi Driver. Like, those are all just, like, among the best scores in movie history. Um, but I mean, this score specifically, um, it just works for me so well from, like, the opening theme that just, like, kind of almost hypnotizes you to all of, like, the... Like the like the brass stings when like Madeline like jumps off of the tower, um, and then of course Madeline's theme is like we first meet her at the restaurant, and then all of the music whenever just like Jimmy Stewart is following her, I just love so much. So yeah, no, this this score is in a career full of great ones, especially with this like trifecta of Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, this might take the cake for me out of those. And then Scorsese commented on the For Sight and Sound, he said that Hitchcock's film is about obsession, which means that it's about circling back to the same moment again and again, and the music is also built around spirals and circles, full fulfillment and despair. Herman really understood what Hitchcock was going for. He wanted to penetrate the heart of obsession, and yeah, I, I agree. That part, the, the the main theme literally just sounds like you're just kind of slowly falling. You're just like slowly descending at that. So for sure, Perfect. it's it's my uh, out of that out of that trio. It's my second favorite. I think Psycho is for yeah. obvious reasons. Uh, Hunter, what about you? What are your thoughts on the score? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't even consider Psycho in there just because it's like so like it's pop culture at this point. The mm-hmm. Psycho score at this point, so like it's hard to even compare it to anything else. But I think this is the best Hitchcock score there is. Uh, that one, or I really love the North by Northwest one a lot. <laughs> Same so, here. It's, it's, it's this one and that one. Yeah, the, and we'll get into it maybe later. The the opening credits, basically, where just everything about this... It's basically, unfortunately for me, the absolute peak of the movie is the opening credits, which is <laughs> astonishing. So, uh, what, I, say that, I say that with love, still. What about you, Katie? Thoughts on the score? I think I think it's perfect, and you know, like you said, the there's like these repeated motifs in it that really complement that um, spiral imagery that is uh, reflected visually in the film as well, too. Um, and yeah, it is kind of like hypnotizing and dizzying, and it does, I think, really feel it, it captures that feeling of vertigo, feeling like you're just kind of out of control. Uh, 100% agree. Uh, the budget of the film was $2.5 million. It was released on May 9th, 1958. And box office gross of $7.3 million. So as we've gone over the last couple of uh, retrospectives that we've done, we've gone into the top 10 of the year. <laughs> I always like to start with you, Jack, on this. What do you think the highest grossing film of 1958 was? Oh God! It's actually no, no, no. I will I'll give you a hint because this it's 1958, so I doubt you have anything that comes to mind right away. It's a little bit more obvious than you think. I'm trying to think of like what Disney movies came out that year. Really, like a 101 Dalmatians or something? No, no. Uh, um, like Gigi. Gigi, no, Gigi is in the top ten. It's number nine. Okay. 
Uh, what, so, what were you thinking, Hunter? I was gonna say GG. I just always go to whatever one best. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Actually, they were actually in the top ten then. So I'll just run through it real quick. So number ten is I want to live. Number nine is Gigi. Number eight is Separate Tables. Number seven is Indiscreet. Number six is a re-release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Number number five is The End of the Sixth Happiness. No clue. Number four is The Big Country. Number three is Cat and a Hot Tin Roof. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Number two is Auntie Auntie Mame. Hmm. And then number one is South Pacific. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was thinking Roger Hammerstein. I thought Oklahoma, but I knew it wasn't that year. Should have just said musical. That would have probably made it easier. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, GG half credit. Um, In terms of awards and reception to the movie, this movie falls in line with other popular iconic directors. Uh, initial reception of the f- film was mixed to negative. Uh, example of variety uh, showed the Hitchcock's master f- that the film showed Hitchcock's mastery, but felt the film was too long and slow for what basically is only a psychological murder mystery. Man, not on not on the nose there at all. Um, New York Post review echoed many critics. Let's admit it right now. Hitchcock's surfaces are so smooth and he thinks he can get away with murder in the logic and realism departments. If you want to tear Vertigo apart, it rapes easily. I, it's I, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, zero Oscar nominations. Uh, did I? Yeah. No, I got, got like, nominations. Did I say you got production design? Or, or yeah, art design and, and um, yeah, sound. Well, one picture that year that was Gigi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we, I I've think watched we some bad best picture recently, but that one still is down there. Yeah. Can I can I bring up? Well, I was I was Go gonna get it. to this anyway, yeah. but uh, old Vertigo inductory class of the National Film Registry, 1989, among 25 other incredible movies. Weirdly enough, you're gonna freak when I tell you this, Gigi. Was inducted in ninety one. That's disgusting. Three I mean, years after, like the, that was yeah. the same year as like Kong and Lords of Arabia. So, don't For some know. Reason people like that. I, I was gonna say, don't know what it was with the. Do you know any? G, of, do you know any Gigi fans, guys? No, right? No, I like it. You like Gigi? Hello, I'm Ooh, okay. here. Oh, All right. <laughs> well, I'll keep my slander to a minimum. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Jack. You. you Anything else? Oh, uh, no, I was going to bring up, it was the first, it was actually the only Hitchcock movie in this first class also, because Psycho didn't get in until 92, yeah. and then North by Northwest in 95, Rear Window in 97, so. I wonder how many, how many does he have in total? It's a lot. Um, Probably the big, heard... the big five, right? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Definitely the big five. I'd say Rope is probably in there at this point. Wow. So in since 1982, uh, it's been on the sight and sound list, uh, and it's gone from fourth place to second place. Uh, in 2012, it placed first place in both crime genre and overall. Uh, the latest in last year put it in. It was number six among directors, and I think it was was it number seven overall, Hunter. I don't remember. 
I don't remember. I know it went down. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, um, AFI, we, 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 Katie, we always like look at when AFI redoes this list, which we've been waiting for now ever at this point. Right. Um, <laughs> we'll never do it at this point. Right. So right now it's number 61 since the last update. Um, oh, it'll, it'll go way up. Wait, no, I think you're... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Went, no, number nine. Already. Yeah, number I nine. Say, I apologize. Was, I was looking at the, the wrong one. one. It was that and the searchers, the two movies that went from like. Yeah, isn't isn't in like the top ten on the it's second nine. One? number yeah. nine? Yeah, oh, I was looking at the I was looking at the ninety eight, not the 07. Um, yeah. goes up or stays the same? I think it goes uh, down, uh, but like I think it still uh, stays like top twenty five. I still think it goes it, high, but I yeah. think like two thousand one's not in there, so I think that gets in for sure. I don't even know how it missed out in the first place, but yeah, like the searchers is one that I think. It got into like I think it's like twelve or something, but I think that's gonna fall. That's going down. I feel like. Place. Yeah, I think Searchers goes into like the sixties, seventies of anything. Whoa, 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 whoa! What was what was? There's some movie you said recently that went. I think down and up. I don't remember. See, I guess. I, I guess we live on. So- I, I want this list. I guess we live yeah. on social media so much because I feel like anything John Wayne related just just gonna disappear from like the conversation because of how problematic he is. So that's the only reason I could see it going down, but who knows? Uh, Katie, what about you? Do you think it stays in the top 10, or do you think it goes down? I think it definitely stays in the top 10, yeah. I mean, it just seems like it has garnered like more and more acclaim as the years go on, even since that list was last put out. I, I concur. Um, all right, cool. So let's get into what's age the best and what's age the worst. Jack, what's age the best for you? <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, obviously, I think the use of San Francisco. I think still today, people are seeing this movie for the first time and noting just how well the movie kind of just shows off the city and how beautiful it is. I saw in a uh, behind-the-scenes kind of featurette thing that um, he wanted to do San Francisco because he kind of viewed it as an American Paris, which I can totally see that comparison. Uh, Dolly Zooms certainly aged the best so much as to calling it the vertigo effect um i really like kind of just the early exposition with uh, gavin elster uh that whole scene i think just works really well and manages to flow itself really good and it's important that it does because the next like 10 minutes of the movie after it doesn't have like any dialogue whatsoever because it's just jimmy stewart following Madeline. Um, oh, yeah. I would <laughs> Color posts on Instagram, definitely, because it gets the color green, one of the most iconic mm-hmm. uses of the color green. Um, Not orange? Well, the poster, yeah, but in, in the movie itself, I think the, like, the window, sh- or the windows shot silhouette of um, Judy just kind of takes the cake, but... I mean, oh, that too. I got. I'll throw that in. Posters, I'd uh, say. Yeah, I had that, that too. That poster is unreal. I had it in my room for a couple years at one point. Uh, and then that's all. All right, Hunter. Do you got anything here? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'm. I'll be nice. Uh, I looked <laughs> up. Vertigo is number two on the sight and sound poll. So, I, I thought. I thought it went down. Honestly. Uh, my the camera work for Scotty's fear the the vertigo shot basically I think is incredible uh i do really like the complicated stance on scotty as a 
good guy, bad guy mm-hmm. kind of a thing. It does is the best aspect of the movie, especially for someone like Jimmy Stewart, who's you know the Fred Rogers basically of that era to an extent. So, and I do love uh, opening title cards. The absolute, the very, very, very final shot of the movie I think is one of the best final shots. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Don't love the context of it, but I love the ex, the actual shot. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Katie? What do you got here? Yeah, I think Jack stole most of what I was going to say, but going off of the like location shooting, that's something that was still not really being done uh, a lot in Hollywood at that time. It was still mostly like sound stages, which I love that kind of artificial look that a lot of films of that time have. But there's just something about like so much of this film being shot on location and the fact that the setting of San Francisco, which is you know a city that's so full of like uh, you know, very steep vertical, um, you know, hills and everything is so crucial to the film. So I think the location shooting is great. That um, nightmare sequence mm-hmm. that Scotty has mm-hmm. that's so um, trippy and terrifying. I think it still holds up so well. And it has like, you know, a bit of like 2D animation in there. And I, I always kind of forget about that, but I think it's really powerful. Um, and I think I think this film is more astute than people give it credit for in the way that it portrays the ways that men often use and discard women. And we see this, you know, through uh, Judy slash Madeline and even I think a little bit in uh, Barbara Belgettis's character Midge, um, you know, the way Scotty and also um, Gavin just kind of use them for their own means. And then when they're done with them, they don't want them anymore. Um, I think the film is actually, you know, pretty, even though it is, you know, uh, exemplary of the male gaze, it's still uh, uh, very empathetic with the women in, in my view. Awesome. Uh, I, you guys pretty much touched on a lot of what I was going to touch on. Uh, I'm glad Katie, that you mentioned the dream sequence. I just noted down the Jimmy on acid dream sequence. Cause that yeah. sequence <laughs> is so great. Um, Jack and I talked about this off the line. I don't know if he was going to mention it a little later, but I like the twist. Did you like the twist? The whole Gavin? No. Yeah. Oh, me? Yeah. yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't know. I, I didn't want to ever give you the impression that I did it. I think I think it really works. The I, love... I don't think I like the way it's revealed, though. Like the letter mm. writing scene. I, I don't love the way that scene plays out. It's I don't know. Yeah. It's not very I, I think I, I like kind of her like little flashback and then we actually get to see kind of like the perspective mm-hmm. and then I do right. think the letter writing part of it is like, yeah, we kind of already got this info that you're it already said that. So yeah, I was kind of just mm-hmm. doubling back on that info. Yeah, and then you guys pretty yeah. much touched on everything. Last thing, uh, I really like the rooftop opening. Well would you Oh yeah. 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 Oh, Oh, one more thing I forgot, and I probably would not have noted this if it was not for the new TV. This division, man, just, I love, you know, mm. I obviously I love it when, you know, the black bars, so you get to see, like, the full picture, but when it just kind of takes up the whole TV and it looks as good as it does, it's quite great. <laughs> yeah, I think they've done a really good job uh, upscaling a lot of Hitchcock films to 4K. They've really done. I, I've I own like a good majority of them, and just I. Uh, so my 4K was a little scratched. So towards the end, it kept skipping. So I was just like, I need to finish this. So I just switched to the Blu-ray, 
and you just completely see a drop in quality from the 4K to the Blu-ray. So I've done a really great job of transitioning. I can't wait. Shockingly, they haven't gotten to North by Northwest yet on the transfer. It was a Warner wow. thing, I'm guessing. Yeah, Probably. so it's hopefully... Like Universal, I'm sure they go crazy I'm, for Hitchcock. I'm hoping we get there. Um, all right, cool. So what's Age of the Worst? I'll start with Katie this time so no one takes your, your stuff here. Oh, my God. I mean, I was thinking about this, and I just don't know if I have an answer because, I mean, I, I can kind of... I definitely see why people think it doesn't age well on the surface. It's about this man who is so obsessed with this woman who isn't even real, honestly, um, Mm -hmm. that he forces her into, you know, making herself over into this image of, of something that, that he wants. But I don't know, like I said, I mean, I, I think this film is really empathetic with the women too. I mean, there's, I think the most heartbreaking scene in the movie is probably when, um, you know, Scotty's telling Judy that like she needs to change her hair because she has that red hair and he mm. wants it to be blonde. Mm-hmm. And at first she's just like, eh, like, do I have to? And then she's finally just like, if I do it, will you love me? And it's so heartbreaking. Um, you know, it's very clear that she is just somebody who um, wants love so badly that she is willing to do that to get it. And this movie really does hold up on repeated viewings because when you know you know, who she really is when you watch those first scenes with Madeline, you can kind of um, look at her dialogue and think, well, is she saying this as Madeline or is she actually talking as Judy? Mm -hmm. Because there's even like a scene where she's talking to Scotty after he pulls her out of the water where she's like, well, no one should live alone. So you get the sense early on that she is a lonely person and that, you know, makes sense, I guess, that she would be willing to go along with him later in the movie. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's still, it really holds up for me overall so i mean i'm curious to know what you guys think maybe aged badly i i try to have fun with this for perfect movies pretty much i just throw 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 (laughs) shit i just throw shit on the wall and see what sticks um but i put um and this actually was a true thing the assumption of what vertigo really means and what it what what the condition actually is for a long time there was articles read about how people had the perception of what vertigo is as opposed to what it really is this is like number one like where the bullet and jack and i i complain about this every time i've seen uh vertigo since jack and i became friends become friends i hate the, how they treat midge like i hate scotty's treatment of midge like i <laughs> yeah, love 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 midge so i He's so mean in the first part. He's like, yeah, we were engaged in college, but uh, you yeah. broke it off, you dummy. I was just like, wow, that's just mean. This is like the <laughs> second movie in a row that Jimmy Stewart plays a guy that just doesn't know when he has a good woman on his side. Because <laughs> this is following a real w- w- window. Uh, and yeah, honestly, you got you, Katie, you kind of mentioned a lot of the stuff that probably would have been on uh, that's on my list too. So, uh, Jack, what do you got? Uh, yeah, same kind of thing, just more, like, fun little, like, nitpicks, uh, gotta say, this is gonna be quite a movie if the only, if you watch this and the only other thing you've seen of his is It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart Boy That's Scout persona one, certainly is. Well, that's the problem. The problem would be you wouldn't actually understand the vertigo of it all. Like, cause I mean, obviously it's one of the life thing, but you, you gotta watch like a decade's worth of just him being the nicest guy in the world. And he's not, yeah, and he, and I'd say, like, on the surface, like, he isn't, like, really, like, shown to be, like, an absolutely, like, it kind of shows him, like, in a 
like sympathetic way almost but like it's kind of like having to like think about the actions and everything he does that like really like rub like starts to like rub people the wrong way uh i had justice for midge written down as well dave and then (laughs) itunes for some reason lists this as a romance movie so Mm, i don't really understand the decision behind this one (laughs) no And so I always have that moment of going through like thriller drama of being like, oh, where is it? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's next to La La Land and romance for some reason. <laughs> uh, what about you, Hunter? Uh, I'm not using this category to list what I don't like about the movie. That's not the that's not what it's supposed to be, this category. It's more of because mm-hmm. some of these things have aged greatly. I just don't connect with them. And that's that's me. But like one of the things aged the worst and it's of a, a lot of Hitchcock movies. It's characters falling in love after knowing each other for like six hours is yeah. the charm of it. But like North by Northwest, I really love it. How Cary Grant and oh, what's her name in North by? I don't remember. Eva, Eva Marie Saint. Oh, I'm recent. I not remember that. But like, I love their chemistry in that movie. I just and how they they fall in love with each other quickly. And this is one of those where it's 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 a little bit of a twist on it though. But it's one of those where I'm like they're like just absolutely passionate on the beach and like you've known each other for like a day. Just chill out a little bit. Let me, uh, uh, Katie. I, I'm curious since we're bringing up North by North North. What do you think of the ending transition? Of North by Northwest from Mount Rushmore Love to it. the. Ch- Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Let's go, Jack. You Jack. Any thoughts? Is that like a controversial? Yeah, thing? Jack. No, like, I love I it. It's great. I think it's so awesome. And then Jack, one of the first hot takes that Jack had, he's like, "I hate the transition of Mount Rushmore oh, to the no. train." I'm like, "I love it. It's so great." It, 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 it's cute, is what I'll say. Oh come on! <laughs> it's so good. And then it's like, oh, and then it's just like, I don't know. I mean, what well, I. I mean, I guess I can kind of talk about it here. I love the end shot of Vertigo, but also sometimes Hitchcock movies just abruptly end hilariously. Like, I think North by Northwest was kind of the example of, like, just kind of going from that to, like, 15 seconds on the train and then... In the tunnel! I mean, it's... But it goes in the tunnel. That's the final... But I'm bum when it goes in the tunnel because, you know, yeah. they're about to do, you know. I see. I see. It's so funny. I think it's so good. Um, Hunter, Hunter, do you have anything that was, else here? That was my other one was the absolute the final 30 seconds of the movie. Or I didn't laugh, but I was like, it, I don't know. It's just when she falls for a second time. I know she didn't fall the first time technically, but when it happens a second time, I was like, put some guardrails up, people, or something like that. You should have cut it <laughs> off after the first time. I know it was it was it's a little bit of a just it is one of the Hitchcock things yeah where it ends like so quickly at the end and even though the final shot is amazing I was like oh I so don't... I guess this is unanswerable question know. territory who takes the blame on this the nun or or Scotty well here's the thing like I don't think they would need to put up guardrails because I don't think that's like a like a <laughs> commonly visited place yeah. like <laughs> yeah, well they allow people to get up there though yeah. yeah. But also, like, know. the it's... nuns, like, in both instances, they don't really seem surprised that somebody, like, just fell <laughs> oh, off their roof. Yeah. So I'm like, has this happened before? There's a cover-up. <laughs> there's a cover-up. I mean, yeah. that nun was on. just like, she was, she was so ready with the prayer and the bell. She was like, yeah, she's done. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what the game goes into, Dave. You know, the, the, the vertigo, vertigo game? game. Maybe that's, <laughs> no, maybe, no, I was going to save what, this that's as That's what RDJ was talking about when he was oh, like, yeah. oh, we can do vertigo better. It's like, they didn't talk about the nuns enough. I was gonna say I, I was gonna leave that as the last thing we talked about, but I guess we can put at what age is the worst the fact that they want to remake this movie. Um, 
You think they're it's, just it's, it's it, they're gonna yeah. surprise us, and it's just like a na- a prequel to all the nuns and what led to the moment. So Katie may be onto something. We may find out there's a giant uh, cover up going on at this at this time. A Vertigo prequel, just Gavin cooking up this entire scheme. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, yeah, it was also funny. I didn't. It's not age the worst or nor did I hit, but like very convoluted scheme in this whole thing he's going with here. I'm like you need a yeah. lot of things to work for it, but that's part of the fun <laughs> that I like. A lot of Chinatown well, so. vibes in this movie, no, right? No, that's that's what it like. I I wrote it next to like the. When I said that, like, it's kind of like that in Chinatown, it's like so many just kind of interactions and like moments mm-hmm. I just kind of think about differently, like knowing how it ends and like how it's like how we get there. Like, especially with like in Chinatown's case, like the whole case of like the water commissioner guy, like everything mm-hmm. with him, I'm just like, oh, so he's just like literally just there. Like, he is like kind of like mm-hmm. not important to it really in the slightest. For sure. All right. Uh, Jack Joe Spinell, that guy award. I I I mean I honestly don't have anybody here just because nobody really had like you know who to use. Come on, come on, Jack. Uh, just put her in there. It's, it's I I it's, I guess it would be Kim Novak just because I also have seen her in the Man with the Golden Arm, uh, which was one of the movies that Sinatra got an Oscar nomination for. Uh. So seeing her in that, I was like, oh, hey. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the the cast ones are kind of hard this time around because there's maybe what, like six characters in this movie, something like that. Yeah, yeah to say, a- like in my brain, this movie is like Jimmy Stewart, Kim Novak, a little Mitch- bit of Barbara Mitch- Balgettis. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's it. it. <laughs> yeah. Hunter, do you have anyone here? Uh, the only one I saw was uh, Henry Jones as the coroner. Who just destroys Jimmy Stewart's character at the end after? The <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, uh, probably shouldn't have let him do his job. Yeah, he tried, but he sucked. He he, he couldn't save her." And I was just like, "He just unintentionally just destroys every yeah. credibility he's, Jimmy Stewart has." He's literally cop. like, "You saved her one time. Too bad you didn't take the initiative the second time." And it's like, God yeah. "Damn, man! Like, give him a break. He feels bad enough as it is." Mm-hmm. <laughs> What about you, Katie? Do you have anyone here? Uh, yeah, I was actually going to say um, Ellen Corby, who plays the... She has one scene. She's that uh, receptionist in the hotel mm. that Scotty goes to when he's first trailing Madeline. He sees her go in, and then he, he asks, like, who's in that room? And the lady's talking to him, and she's like, well, she's not here. And he's like, I just saw her come in. And it's kind of a confusing scene. But um, But anyway, I mean, she's just has one of those faces where if you have seen a lot of like 50s 60s tv or or older movies she just played like bit parts and a ton of stuff um she's most known for being on the waltons which is not a show that i ever watched but um but yeah she's just even if you don't know her i feel like if you're kind of familiar with the era you see her and you're like i know her from somewhere um so i think she's really like the that guy of the movie so i kind of like that's a great choice. I think I'm going to switch mine and go with Hunter's because that was pretty on brand. Uh, my, my, my second choice was Fred Graham as police officer who dies in the line of duty. <laughs> He's, he tried to help Jimmy Stewart. I, I will take the lead on the next category. Uh, the Al Martino miscast oh award. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Don't even start. So I'm actually going to listen. All right. I want to preface this by saying I think she's very good in the movie. But I just picture 
other people in this movie. I, I, I'm going to go with Kim Novak here. I think she is very good. And my first choice is the obvious choice, but she was retired at the time, so she couldn't do it, and that's Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly would have been... Too but, nice. But so is Jimmy Stewart. So the correlation would have actually been quite perfect there. Yeah, but she was retired, so it doesn't count. So it doesn't yeah, count. It doesn't count. Like, Let's use her. So, <laughs> so, so my other two options were Lana Turner and Janet Lee. Okay, I knew it was going to be one of the psycho girls. Either her or Vera Miles. Uh, That's not too... No, Jack? I, Janet Lee, I guess, maybe... Oh, I... I, 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 I just think Kim I see I just don't think Kim Novak gives a bad performance because like you could say that like the character of Madeline is like not a good performance but at the same time like it's a character being played by somebody else so like I never really like thought of it as like bad because I always kind of just viewed it as like the character that Judy was playing the, for like the first half of the movie but mm. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I do have somebody also for recasting. What, Jimmy uh, Stewart? Shipbuilder Gavin. Uh, I want to run by you a couple names because I think I, I he, he's pretty good, but I also feel like, I don't know. I, what about John Dahl from Rope? I think if we t- throw 10 years on him, he's younger than Jimmy Stewart, but... I think we throw ten more years on him, a little bit of gray hair, maybe he could look like his age. I'd say, you know him from Rope, Dave. Yo, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, what do you think about that pick? Uh, bring a little bit more of like a kind of like I guess charm to Gavin. I think to kind I, of be like I don't know because the obvious think, answer. I mean, I don't I know if you. Say, I also thought about James Mason. Because I don't, because he, because he doesn't have the villain context of North by Northwest yet, so you want to think about like him and that idea. Well, uh, Cary Grant. Well, Cary Grant is obviously the obvious one, but he's that's too small like, of a okay, role for like, someone like that. Say, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I guess uh, going back to these two, uh, Katie, am I going crazy for the Kim Novak move? Yeah. Good. Good. I mean, I think she's great at, at like the uh, sort of like icy remote persona, mm. but also there's something just like so beguiling about her. I mean, that shot where we first meet her, it's maybe my favorite part of the movie where they're in the restaurant and the camera like swings around and you see her from behind and then you kind of mm-hmm. slowly see her in profile and then she walks toward the camera and I mean, obviously, Scotty is immediately, like, taken with her, but so are we. There's just something, like, sort of ethereal about her presence. And then I think when we transition to Judy later on in the film, I think she she sells that as, like, a completely different person. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think she's great. I, I can't think of even, you know, running through, you know, your list of, like, the typical Hitchcock blondes like Grace Kelly or or Tippi Hedren or, or all of them. I still think Kim Novak is great, yeah. yeah. Hunter, do you have anyone here? I actually didn't have an answer for this one. I don't think anyone was miscast at all, so. Nice. It, it helps that there's only, like, four speaking rules, so. Yeah. Like, well, not a lot to choose from, but I think they're all really good. And did you have anyone, Katie, here? No, no, not really. Uh, kind of the same thing. But, I mean, I think 
uh, I mean, I guess if I said somebody, it might be Gavin, but at the same time, you don't want, the, the film isn't really like about him. Like his whole plot is just kind mm-hmm. of to help this tale of obsession along. So it's essentially really like want. the Hitchcock MacGuffin at this, at that point. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you don't want somebody who's like too flashy and kind of overtakes, you know, that other key aspect of the story. But going uh, to one more comment on yours, Jack, uh, I would have probably, looking at the age range, I would have got it, gone with another Hitchcock alum, uh, Farley Granger from Strangers on a Train. I think okay. that could have okay. that could have worked a little there with the age. And he he's he's also good at playing like more of a mundane character, so mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd like I'd like like some like Claude Rains as well. But... Oh, that's good. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Really yeah, good. yeah. It, the problem is you oh, couldn't have someone that famous because they'd be like, okay, well then he has to show up and you know and be part right. of it somewhere else. True. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Next up, the Maurice Jarre music moment of the movie. Uh. I'm going to be boring, so I'll go first. Just the opening credits. Like, it's like so phenomenal. And then uh, I'll save it. I'm sure you guys have other ones. So, Jack, what do you got here? I've got, I've got a few, too. And I'll, I'll let the others get through theirs. But for now, I'll say um, following your opening credits, I had the opening roof chase. Hmm. Just Great. kind of the starting with the, dun, 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 the rolling violins. Uh, yeah, just an incredible start to the score, but there's a lot more too. Hunter, what do you got here? Mm-hmm. Mine's every time the vertigo shot comes in, basically the stage. Yeah. It 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 is like along with that and the psycho, you know, where it's like the image plus the music is what really makes it, and that's I think the vertigo moment really is sold by the music as well as the camera work. Awesome, Katie, what do you got here? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with the scene I just mentioned when we first meet Madeline um, and, you know, the camera moves toward her in the restaurant and the music kicks in and it's kind of this, like, uh, more low-key, like, love theme, I guess you could say. Um, I think that's so important to kind of, like, wrapping us up in this uh, woman's presence and becoming invested in watching Scotty watch her. Awesome. Jack, did you anything that was not said that you you said you had a few? Nobody mentioned the nightmare scene. I was go- yeah, yeah. That, I was going to add that if no one else did. That yeah, was that, it, it kind of coexists with the opening credits a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um that and then see, there was something that I kind of just remembered that I'm trying to think about. Um oh yeah, and then I guess just like the kind of slow music that just plays whenever like Scotty follows Oh, and that was what I was going to say. Bernard Herman and Harps, great combination. Like, Taxi mm-hmm. Forever 2 later on, it's just one of those, like, combinations of an instrument where it's, like, John Williams and a French horn. It's, like, just <laughs> made for each other, you know? Um, next up, the Black Turtleneck Guy Award, best minimal, best use of minimal screen time. Um, I don't know if she counts, but is Barbara Belgettis as Midge count, or was she... No. F- Put her in supporting. Supporting? Player. Okay, then, yeah, yeah I'll move her down. Yeah. Lineup. All right, so... Black Turtle, that guy is, like... It's uh, Gavin? I, I, got, I got Pop Liebel, the bookstore owner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's, that lays the whole story of... That was my because it's just an exposition scene, but he's really good at it. I like what he's doing with that. All right, mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, Katie, do you have anyone here? Any or minimal use of screen time and mm-hmm. just comes in and makes, like, seven three-pointers and leaves the, leaves the game after that? Yeah, might say Ellen Corby again as the hotel okay. receptionist. Awesome. I think she's she's kind of like 
funny in that scene and kind of like going back and forth with Scotty and he's trying to like get info from her and she's just kind of like being a, a cagey old lady. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Eric. Thomas Mitchell, best supporting player. Uh, here, all right, there you go. This Mitch. is part of yes. yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, if we count, if you count starting lineup as just Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak, then yeah, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's uh, Katie, yeah. do you have anyone here for best supporting, or is it uh, Barbara as well? It has to be Barbara. Yeah, yeah. she's so I mean, good. She's, yeah. she's great. I love her. So yeah, good. Team Midge forever. You think? Uh, you think after the events at the end of the movie, Midge is like, all right, now can we go on a date? Can we? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I was gonna say, well, that scene at the hospital is the last we see of Mitch, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and then we just yeah, she that's 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 the one unfortunate thing. She just drops out of the movie. I was like, oh, yeah. like nothing is like wrong. I was just like, I just want to see more of her. If I remember the dialogue correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, they were supposed to be they were engaged at one point. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, for like and, three weeks and, or something. Yeah, yeah. but he called. And she, well, she called it off because he. He like sticks it not playfully sticks it to her like you called it off you know oh so oh, somehow some reason well she probably well, saw maybe Scotty he wasn't always the best person to begin with for so. sure I mean I think it's yeah. it's pretty clear that he's somebody who's maybe not great at commitment mm-hmm. because he's you yeah. know an older Plus man the, who's never been married Gavin, like Gavin also handpicked him for the yeah. whole thing so, so he knew he was like he'd probably fall in love with her easy so it, it just knew from the get go she's like yeah this isn't gonna happen. For, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of hope that at the end of the movie, I kind of hope that she just has moved on from him, honestly, mm-hmm. even though she's sort of unwavering in her support throughout the whole thing. I, I kind of need her to maybe she'll just realize she maybe realize if I stick with this dude, I may end up falling off a tower, too. So, yeah, she may just <laughs> she decided to move on. Um, all right. The MVP Icebox Award for the MVP of the film. So. I, I want. I really like Jimmy Stewart's performance in this. I think he's pretty phenomenal. But is it Hitchcock? Probably. I mean, and you could also. I mean, kind of. You could make the case for Bernard Herrmann if you really wanted to. But I do think it's just kind of. I think for me at least, it's possibly the defining Hitchcock movie. So this is. It's get it, it's not always the case I'd say for Hitchcock movies, but I think this is one where I do think he is the MVP for sure. Awesome, Hunter. Do you have any one different here? I only did it just because I think everyone's going to do Hitchcock. I had Saul Bass actually. <laughs> oh, that's good. I that's just, good. I I just any any title sequence he does is just like I was like, all right, now we're in for treat here. Especially we talked about yesterday for unfortunate circus casino. The Scorsese movie was his final. <laughs> opening the casino opening sequence is very kind of similar to this to certain extents and it's amazing so like just anything he he did for a movie just made it like that much more of an epic kind of a classic film awesome uh katie who do you got here as the mvp of the film i mean i guess it has to be hitchcock i mean this is like he's such a detail-oriented director and i feel like this is where all of that attention to detail really comes together the most you know right down to like 
his use of color. I mean, you look at like the the repeated like greens and reds throughout it, and you know the the spiral imagery that you know he's careful to point out even in like Madeline's hairstyle. He makes sure that we see that it's like knotted at the back of her head in like a spiral shape. Like there's so much to look at in this movie, and it just it all comes together perfectly. I, I think, I don't know that I would say it's my like personal favorite of his films, but I, I think it's his best. I think that's fair to say. Awesome. Um, alrighty. Mount Rushmore. Uh, I have a few things here, so, uh, I guess we'll agree. I don't know if Hunter will agree. Cause I know he's a little lesser on it than we are. Mount Rushmore for Alfred Hitchcock. Great. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of probably in, while I think favorite orders might differ, I do think there's kind of just like the psycho rear window vertigo north by northwest. I think that's kind of just like the official Mount Rushmore of Hitchcock almost. Oh, yeah. Although yeah. you can certainly make the case for rope and all of that, but it's it's hard with Hitchcock because you can make like three Mount Rushmores basically. Yeah. It's very like it's like him and like Spielberg and Scorsese where it's like, well, you can make a whole other four monuments to them. We'll touch on it more next week, but it's very, like, it's always, it's very nice to see, like, how Rope has, from when I started first watching it, and I loved it, and I felt like I was the only one on planet Earth that had seen it, like, where it is now, like, that you, mm-hmm. a lot of people consider it Mount Rushmore. It's so awesome to see, because I, I love that movie so much. Um, is this Mount Rushmore for Vertigo in general? <laughs> Probably <laughs> this, is, this is this is this is the Jaws of Vertigo where it gave it a bad name. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so not the Meg yeah. Connor, not the Meg. That doesn't have any cultural significance. <laughs> that's cultural significance to be a move for be a movie that uh, actually does something. Is this the Mount Rushmore? Well, none of us talked about it, but it, it's very odd for me to say this. But cemeteries. Cemeteries and movies. Because like, uh, I mean, let's... you just list Hitchcock movies, basically. <laughs> yes. uh, I was gonna say, what are some other great uses of cemetery? Pet Fri- cemetery? Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason lives. Okay. <laughs> right, again, again, cultural significance is what we have to have. <laughs> uh, Halloween. Seventy eight. There's a. There's a oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I can't sure. think of anything there's, else. There's, there's probably, a, yeah, this is the hard part. There's a million probably others. I Move, can't remember. Mount, I think this is a no, but I'll let you guys uh, answer if I'm if it's on it. Movie posters? I'd say so, honestly. I, I just It's yeah. probably the most simple one up there, just because it's, I mean, it's like a spiral and a guy. Uh, yeah, I love that one. Um, yeah. And it's probably the... I'm trying to think of a more definitive orange movie poster seems to have kind of gotten that yeah one. i think the i was gonna say the color orange but i guess you rather <laughs> you rather use the color green right uh, i mean in terms of like in movie moments i mean kind of like the entirety of the matrix is also oh, true 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 <laughs> well, yeah, uh, uh, Last three for me, uh, museums in movies, or does Ferris Bueller still have the top spot uh, there? Okay. I was about to say. watching Ferris Bueller, I was like, yeah. not even close. But... And I've been, yeah, have you guys no. been to that museum? I the... have, but I, I didn't mm. go to that painting. It's a, it's a I think I've been outside of it, but I didn't go in. It's that I went, I've only been to Chicago once. Great city. Highly recommended if you guys, uh, whoever hasn't been there. Um, 
And that painting, like, we went, like, 10 in the morning. And that painting, no matter, it was just, like, everyone was there in front of that painting from the movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, blah, 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 last two films about obsession and San Francisco movies. I did have San Francisco movies as well. Don't really, I'm trying to, I was trying to think what are the other, you can go back to Hitchcock for that. Cause he's made a few centered around San Francisco. I think the birds might've been too. No. I, that was like just outside of San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Bodega Bay. Um, the one that you mostly a lot of overlap, the one that you didn't have nightmare scenes. And I, yeah. I took the liberty of, I took the liberty of listing what I think might be the other three. Okay. I think exorcist maybe up there. I think the Elm street English class. Is definitely up there. Okay. Can I counter with Elm street? Cause I was going to get like, I was going to be upset if you didn't have Elm street. Um, uh, I was going to say, uh, you know which well, the English class one is one of them. You think there's a different one that should a be better, there? a better sequence. What, what, the death, the death sequence in the bed when she falls asleep okay. and you first see Freddy and he kills her on the roof. Yeah. Okay. Either or for sure. And then I think T two, the the <laughs> Sarah Connor. Mm, that's a good one though. That's a good one. Yeah, because yeah. every every list I looked at had horror ones, and then it wasn't until mm-hmm. I found one other that was like all of them, and I was like, oh, that T two is definitely up there. Uh, um, anything else? The Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, probably. Yes. It's a wonderful. It's uh, a wonderful. It, yeah. I, think it's two and, I think it's two and two with two different directors. It's so, a wonderful yeah, because Mr. Yeah, Mr. Smith is my favorite performance of his, and then it's a wonderful mm-hmm. life, and then Vertigo, and what's what would be the fourth? Harvey. Rear window. What? Vertigo, <laughs> Vertigo rear window. Mr. Smith, wonderful life. I like that four. Yeah. Do you guys have anything okay. different there for yeah, Jimmy Stewart? Four. I, mean, I really I, like him in the Philadelphia story. Oh, Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 Love him, Philadelphia. Probably, so yeah. I probably His would drunk put acting that. is just great. Um, n- no one has a greater show on earth as uh, Mount Rushmore for Jimmy Stewart. No? Only, only, only Spielberg would have that. Spielberg. Yeah. Only Spielberg would have that. He's one of the greatest of all time. Do you still think he thinks that movie's good? Or he's, it's gimmick at this well, point, right? I mean, he probably has like the same nostalgia that like I would have for like... I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. If it's if it's the first the big movie game. you watch, you know, it's like me with Chopping Mall. Like it's just all like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should uh, you should talk to him. You should relate to him with that. I think ever meet him. Low key, I like, you meet him. Don't ask him anything about any of his movies. Just ask him about the greatest show on. Yeah, earth. I know. I just yeah. Like, what are your Try thoughts on bluff, basically? Like greatest show on earth is one thing, but what are your thoughts on the the 1980s horror f- films? Do you have any preference? Yeah. And he pops out with like Frankenhooker. Society. Okay. I mean, you know, if, is Poltergeist was kind of his he, movie. His movie. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> you know, however you want to spin it. Um, Hunter, what about you? Do you have anything from Mount Rushmore here? Um, not a whole lot. I, yeah, it was like Hitchcock. Uh, I was trying. Uh, I was thinking like Hitchcock blondes, basically mm-hmm. the, the the female leads of his movies. So I was trying to think of who was at the top of that one. That was Grace, Grace Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, um, Tippy. Tiffy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was just trying to, like, because there's all, a lot of them. I was just trying to see who would be the top four. I think um, Ingrid Bergman. I think it's Ingrid Bergman, Notorious. I love that. Yes, one. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that's my personal one I would like. I was wondering if you guys, if someone was going to make the argument against Janet Lee of, like, oh, she was the supporting oh, actress, not the lead. I, Wait, what? What's. I, I put her on I think she was a supporting actress at she, the Oscars. She, 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 is, she is supporting. She's 
so female lead of Psycho. I say still so I was, like I the poster image of Psycho, so yeah. therefore I would say the lead. <laughs> That's why I just put that would have been. What did she campaign for the Oscars? She got she in, was, right? She was, in, she was in supporting. I'm pretty sure. And then ba- yeah, and then no, Anthony and then Tony Perkins. He didn't get into lead, but he was. I think he campaigned lead. Probably. I don't know. Probably should have won, but another story. <laughs> podcast. Uh, I, don't know, I don't even know who won that year. Sixty. Let's see. Probably like it was like Montgomery Cliff. I think for like. Yeah. I said that was the year of the apartments. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, oh, so that wasn't going to happen. Or it was Jack Lemmon. It was Jack Lemmon. Yeah, Lemon. That, then it wasn't no, going to happen. It wasn't, it, it wasn't Jack Lemmon. He didn't win for oh, that. Oh, sorry. No, no oh, apartment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was like all Billy Wilder's just... like, art direction or something. Right, right. All right. Oh, well, and then, uh, Katie, anything for you here in Mount Rushmore? Um, I don't think outside of what you guys have already said, I think you nailed it. Um, it's great Hitchcock. It's a great San Francisco movie. Uh, just you know one of the all-time great like thrillers um yeah awesome all right so let's finish off uh just some not i I wanted to keep things from the obvious facts that we know about the movie so i try to do something i try to get a few that you guys may not know so hunter mentioned soul bass this is actually the first film ever to use computer graphics Mm mm-hmm this is so now we're doing AI when like secret invasion stuff. This by week, the way, did anyone get mad? At, you're gonna get mad at the time like they're using computers. I rem- they're not drawing this. I remember when I got my secret invasion screeners and I thought that the opening credits were some of the ugliest things I've ever seen. And then I come to find out when the show releases that it was AI, and I'm like, oh. Did you did you, you feel a out. shift in the earth with Saul Bass turning over in his grave when he watched uh, it? Yeah. He's just like, oh. The fact that Vertigo looks so like a. Uh, that's another oh, one. it looks amazing. It's so amazing. Uh, this goes back to what I was saying in terms of actually me getting it. So this movie was unavailable for three decades because of rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, together with four other movies, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Rear Window, Rope, and The Trouble with Harry. So that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And the, have you seen The Trouble with Harry, uh, Hunter? I have not yet. No. Jack, you've seen No? Katie, have you seen oh. it? Trouble with Harry? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. I like it. Yeah, Me too. I, mean, I think uh, it, it's exactly what you'd think it it is. Hitchcock making a comedy. It's like kind of morbid, but um, like really like rooted in that small town life that we see in a lot of his you know, thrillers too. And um, it's, it's fun. One of his most beautiful looking movies too. I think. Yeah, that looks yeah, stunning. It's a great fall movie. Yeah. Uh, Hitchcock. Uh, this is. <sighs> This upsets me for Hitch. I, I don't usually get upset at Hitch, but me and Hitch would have talked after this one. Hitchcock was embittered at the critical and commercial failure of the movie. He blamed this all on Jimmy Stewart for looking Man. too old to attract audiences anymore. After this, Hitchcock would never work with Jimmy ever again. What a... Ironically, one of his well, best say, collaborators. So that's, why, so that's why he put Sean Connery as the lead later on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and there was quite like an age difference between him and Kim Novak. At the same time, that was very common. I mean, it's just at the yeah. time, mm-hmm. just in movies in general, but even other Hitchcock movies, you know, Jimmy and Grace Kelly and all that. Carrie, so Carrie I feel Grant. like that's not. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah Carrie Grant yeah. and Eve Marie. Like it, yeah. and and it, yeah. Katie's right. Like I. Despite the age differences, it's every time I've seen Jimmy with or any of the of the age differences in these Hitch movies, it feels very believable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it is always weird because with Gavin's talking about uh, his, uh, Madeline's mother, like talking with her, I'm like Madeline's mother's probably the same age as Gavin. It's like probably this very close. <laughs> it's so weird because um, Madeline's like what twenty six in the movie, twenty four or something like that. 
they say it? They say it once. I don't yeah. remember. I can't remember. Um, Gavin looks like he's in his mid-50s, so it's like, yeah. In later interviews, Alfred Hitchcock said he believed Kim Novak was miscast and the wrong actress for the part. Well, Shrug. you know, just because you're not Hitchcock doesn't mean you shoot 100%. You could still be wrong. Um, one last on Kim Novak. She already had a reputation for being difficult, so perhaps it was not surprised when she refused to show up for a work day. She was striking for more money from her home studio, uh, Columbia Pictures, who was paying her twelve fifty a week, even though they were receiving two hundred fifty thousand for her loan out for this and one more movie. Uh, the ploy actually worked, and Novak got a raise. This good for her. Good for her on that one. Good. Uh, Hitchcock originally wanted to cast Lana Turner in the role, but she wanted too much loot, as Hitchcock would say, and dropped uh, was dropped from consideration. Uh, this one, the Gavin recasting couch has arrived. There's three. Joseph Cotton. Ooh, that'd be good. good. But again, I, well, I, I don't think say he's little... famous, but it's, it's one of those things where I'd see in the movie, like, okay, he, there has to be something more with him, you know? Right. Everett's... Yeah, show up. Everett Sloan. He's just going by the Citizen Kane cast. <laughs> and, cast. And Definitely. Orson Welles. And my yeah, favorite yeah. of the bunch, Lee J. Cobb. Ooh, okay. Mm. Yeah, but Lee J. Cobb and Kim Novak? Come on. Like, why would Kim Novak be with him? Like, why would she be <laughs> Wouldn't make much sense. Kevin's at least a good-looking dude. I'll give him that. And he's, he seems pretty smooth. I was going to say, Lee J. Cobb and Hitchcock is a is a fun pairing but yeah. probably not a so he yeah. was in his like 40s when when it came out so yeah. i was gonna say it's crazy that like 12 angry men and like exorcists were like that far apart yet you can like yeah. still absolutely tell it was the same person oh, yeah. yeah oh my god yeah you're 100 <laughs> right yeah. and then last fact here we kind of yeah. mentioned on it a remake starring robert downey jr is in I, the works with that with i was gonna ask because we don't know who's directing it yet. But, I, I, this goes. Who would be your your choice for director? And you can't say like Spielberg or something. No, like, I don't no. think Spielberg or Scorsese. <laughs> so they they would like, they no. wouldn't do it, and that's a cheat code. So this falls. Like, yeah, so to answer your question, Hunter, I think this falls under the line of how I felt when it was rumored that David Fincher was going to direct a remake of Strangers on a Train. Like it's See, David really Fincher, good, but I'd I don't to do that. It's it's just like I don't. There yeah. hasn't been a good one. Like no well, matter yeah, what, it's 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 the same. And I just as Chico, but like when Spielberg said he was doing West Side Story, I'm like, well, you shouldn't do West Side Story. But I was like, but it is Steven Spielberg, and there's yeah. like, there's a few direct, there's like a couple of directors if they got it, I would be okay. But if, if it's like Rebecca or it's Ben Wheatley, I'm like, okay, like have fun with that. You're gonna fail. Like, uh, so, I can't I'll come back know. to me on that one, Jack. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm deep in thought right now, sifting through people. David Lynch's Vertigo. <laughs> Hunter, we already got Mulholland Drive, I guess. So I wish. Uh, Katie, do you have anyone that comes to mind here? It's hard for me to even like imagine this movie being remade, much less who would make it. I mean, I think it's interesting when filmmakers kind of like draw from it or like very obviously mm-hmm. pulling from it in their movies and kind of doing different things with the premise, but just. A straight remake. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Damien Chazelle turned it into a musical. No, no. <laughs> let him do it no. now. I really, I really like that David Lynch poll, but you're right. He pretty much did that with Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be like I, uh, 
<laughs> I only said it to get you into it. I, I, you know, no, but you, I, you, you would, would do it. Essentially, okay. yeah, well, Jack, Hunter's right, though. David Lynch Vertigo miniseries. Listen, yeah. man. Whatever get that gets that man behind the camera again and to direct, I'm like, I'm gonna all make, in. He's gonna make at least one more movie. I, God, he's getting close, man. I, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. But moral of the story is that this should not happen. Uh, there hasn't I been know. a good one. I, the, the closest one that I thought was, I wouldn't even say good. I would say like two stars was probably um, Disturbia. <laughs> Yeah. And this, I don't. Uh, is that a remake the, or something? Rear window. Soft, oh, re, wow. so, very, very soft, re, very soft okay. remake. They actually did. Even, like, there's so many movies that are so much a rip off of. Rear window, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Is it, is there, technically a remake? I guess there is a remake to Rear Window with Christopher Reeve in the in. I, the I do know that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, no. Which... That that wraps everything up for this week. This was actually a quite the fun discussion uh next week we are going to be continuing our hitchcock run and doing an anniversary episode of rope which should be quite see i'll be on i'll be i'll be the highest on that one love (laughs) so good so uh jack as always thank you for being here tell everyone where they can find you uh yeah you can see what i'm watching over on letterbox you can just look up my name you'll find me there and you'll also find us on the League of Cinephiles. Wrap it up season three. Um, only have a couple more things coming out, but season four is on the horizon. And I can already confirm that we have a lot of very fun stuff coming really early on. Awesome. Hunter, thank you as always. Where can everyone find you? And then do you have any uh, upcoming reviews? Uh, you can find me at com slash Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, I guess. Uh, Letterbox there. Uh, this week I'm watching Golda with Helen Mirren tomorrow, the Golden My Ear biopic. And then finally I'm watching Gran Turismo after everyone else has already seen this movie. <laughs> and it's not even out yet and everyone's already seen it, so it doesn't matter. But I'll see that. And then obviously TIFF's coming up in three weeks. Tickets are already securing them today in the next few days. So going into overdrive there but it'll be so much fun and katie thank you so much for joining us it was so much fun having you on where can everyone find you um yeah you can find my reviews at uh, katie at the movies.com i have that same handle on instagram and uh my letterbox is just my name katie carter awesome and then you can find me at the cinematic real.com uh same on Instagram, Letterbox, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And you could also find my reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So until next week, see you at the movies, guys.